Welcome back to another episode of the Educational AD Podcast. We'll be right back with today's guest, but first let's hear from our podcast sponsors. We want to say thanks to Hometown Ticketing, the leading digital ticketing provider to schools and colleges. You can find out more about what Hometown Ticketing can do for you and your school by going to hometownticketing.com and talk to their experts. Hometown Ticketing, simple and easy online ticketing. We also want to say thanks to Final Forms, the industry leader in registration. Final Forms is more than just forms. Final Forms is a team, it's technology, and they provide schools with compliance, communication, and risk management solutions. Final Forms can help your stakeholders with mobile accessibility. They have reminders for parents about policies, about physicals, and all the forms that go with athletics. Final Forms can also help with team communication and attendance, and even certification management for coaches. And for athletic directors, final forms can help with eligibility, with rosters, and all the reports you deal with. And it does this with secure language translation and ADA compliance. You know, it's time for you to talk to a team that's walked in your shoes. To take the next steps and find out what final forms can do for you, go to finalforms.com forward slash Jake. That's finalforms.com forward slash Jake to get started with the final forms team. We also want to say thanks to Gipper. Gipper is the way that athletic directors, coaches, teams, and schools create world-class marketing content. You can create custom-branded content for your school's social media channels in seconds on any device and without needing any design experience. It's so easy, even I can do it. Go to Gipper.com and start creating world-class marketing content. That's Gipper.com. We also want to say thanks to Huddle. At Huddle, we power sports. Over 200,000 teams use Huddle to elevate the performance of their teams using video and analytics. Huddle's the complete performance platform. They have online tools. They have smart cameras. They've always had analytics, but there's so much more. Huddle's also built for every level of play from club and youth programs all the way through high school and college teams. And even the pros use Huddle so their athletes can perform at the highest level. You're in pretty good company with over 6 million users, including your student athletes. If you want to find out more about what Huddle can do for you and your program and how your school can become a Huddle school, go to huddle.com and talk to their professionals. Remember, at Huddle, we power sports. We also want to say thanks to Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack. Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack are a quick, easy, and affordable way for you to collect comprehensive data that allows you to evaluate and improve your entire athletic program. Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack also connects you to the 95% of the parents and the student athletes who really love your program. And it gives them a voice to help demonstrate the importance that a positive athletic experience has for them. Go to athleticsurveys.com and check out their testimonials. Then call them at 1-800-738-6466. Or you can email them at info at athleticsurveys.com to get started. You've never used a survey to take the pulse of your parents or your student athletes. You're really missing out. Talk to the folks at Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack and let them help you take your athletic program from good to great. We also want to say thanks to Sideline Interactive. 
their indoor scoring tables and video boards not only generate money for your department, but also create the ultimate game day experience for your athletes. Go to sidelineinteractive.com and check out their um, um, boards see, and see their tables and boards in action. You can also call them at 832-786-0302 or email them at sales at sidelineinteractive.com and see exactly what their fantastic products can do for you. That's sales at sidelineinteractive.com. And we want to say thanks to Wall of Fame by Vital Signs. You know, they're on a mission to bring your school's legacy to life. They've got a variety of interactive touchscreen consoles and an entire library of templates to help recognize the athletic achievements of your students, both past and present. Let them help you showcase your school's diverse history and your proudest moments by going to vitalsignswalloffame.com. Or you can call them at 614-981-3589 or email them at sales at vitalsignswalloffame.com to get started. Let them help you showcase your school's diverse history and go to sales at vitalsignswalloffame.com. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Educational AD Podcast. we got a really cool guest today, Ryan Hockman. Uh, Ryan is a, uh, he's a coach, but he's also the director of coaching and programming for Throwing Zone Athletics out of Claremont, Florida, the National Coaching Center. I met Ryan a few weeks ago. Um, he was coaching at a, uh, a track meet here in Florida. I was an official. We got to talking. Um, and uh, I thought he'd be a great guest for us because he covers a lot of bases uh, for coaches and for ADs. So Ryan Hockman, welcome to the podcast. Hey, thanks, Jake, for having me. And uh, I'm excited to, uh, to share what I do. Oh, no, absolutely. Uh, you know, my career, uh, uh, such as it was uh, high school and college, was uh, football and track. So we both share that. You know, I coached football and track for a long time. But uh, excited to have you share some of the things that, you know, you are doing right now uh, in the area of coaching. So let's jump right into it. We always like to let our listeners have a chance to get to know our guests. So give us that quick bio, where you were born, where you grew up, a little sports background, and, uh, you know, uh, how you happen to, uh, you know, end up where you are today. Yeah, and I think we have a lot in common, uh, Jake, but um, uh, being football track guys and, and coaching, coaching in college, um, I, I'm, I'm the son of a high school football coach. Uh, Ken Hockman uh, was Cincinnati, Ohio area won over 200 games. Um, my brother went into coaching. Uh, he's older than I am a couple years. Um, so had a huge in, impact on me. Uh, and I've learned a lot from him. Um, and so grew up in, in a suburb of, of Cincinnati, Ohio, grew up in Loveland. Uh, and then we moved to the other side of Cincinnati called Harrison. So, so just outside of Cincinnati. Uh, then I, you know, I, I was a four sport high school athlete, lettered in four sports, um, Four of those years, I lettered in three sports, uh, track and field, basketball, and football, uh, and then was a scholarship football athlete quarterback at the University of Kentucky. Um, you know, I think my, my, uh, my claim to fame there was that I was an academic all-SEC performer, uh, average guy on the field, but, uh, but did really well in the classroom. Um, you know, and there was that point in, in time when I knew that, you know, 
the NFL was probably a reach for me. Um, I wasn't producing on the field like I had hoped, and and, and I was excited to get uh, onto the field as a coach. And and I went from there directly. I actually went to to Europe and played a little bit uh, overseas, uh, did a little player coaching, uh, and then got into college coaching. Um, and I went right into it. I was a, a full time position coach, quarterback coach at Nichols State University FCS in Thibodeau, Louisiana. Uh, and then went from there to Bowling Green State University back in my roots, Ohio, Northwest Ohio. My dad actually played at Bowling Green. My brother played at Bowling Green. Um, so I had a lot of family ties there um, and, and worked for, for guys that had coached my brother um, and knew my dad and all that kind of stuff. And, and then went to Tiffin University. I was an offensive coordinator at the age of 27, Division II, uh, up, uh, up in Tiffin, Ohio, about an hour, about in between Toledo and Columbus, Tiffin is. Um, and then, uh, and then went into, um, coaching in Germany, went over to Germany for a few years. We're talking about football here, FYI. So I know we talked about track and field. Um, and, and then, uh, from there came back and, uh, was coaching at Eastern Michigan university, uh, met my wife, uh, who was on a path to, uh, being an emergency physician. And, you know, we kind of had those crossroads. Okay. Am I going to bounce around from mid American conference? city, you know, Muncie, Indiana, Ypsilanti, Michigan, you know, those kinds of places, or am I going to ride my wife's coattails, uh, you know, in the academic, uh, you know, so academic emergency medicine area. And that's kind of what we decided to do. And I got into high school coaching at that point. Um, so the way I got into uh, the track and field world, and I had been a track and field athlete, I had, you know, I had done well high school, uh, I had been an AAU athlete in the summer, had done decathlon and obviously was successful in football. So I didn't pursue that area in, in college. Um, but uh, I, uh, when I got out of high school coaching, when my sons were born, I have twin boys that are now almost 15. And we knew that, you know, it wasn't going to be sustainable coaching full time. So I got out of it and, and um, started my own business, uh, privately training quarterbacks. Well, immediately I realized I really don't know how to teach somebody to throw and, and train to throw. So <clears throat> I started digging online, came across a guy named Tom Petronoff, who had a great website on the mechanics of coaching. Well, I texted him saying, hey, I'd like to buy some of your products and some of the, some of the programs that you're doing. He calls me. We have a two-hour conversation. And if you don't know Tom, Tom is the world record holder in the javelin throw. Uh, and, and invented turbo jav and is, is kind of the godfather of javelin in our country. Um, Tom called me. We had a two-hour conversation right away. We decided to put a video together immediately. So he flew out to Detroit. I was living in Detroit at the time. And we put together a video on training quarterbacks kind of through his platform of training pitchers and, and javelin throwers. And one thing led to another. And I'm, I'm like working for him almost immediately. Um, and he's a Tom is a gregarious, outgoing, fun-loving, hard-to-say-no-to kind of guy. And uh, I just started working for him. And, and uh, the rest is, I wouldn't say history, because no history books writing about me. But, um, but I, I kind of became, you know, this guy who could train throwers. And eventually, that became something I could do. I could train javelin throwers. Um, and uh, now I can coach javelin throwers. And and coach quarterbacks and coach pitchers and you know all the things that I did growing up and really dropped for the specialization of quarterbacking 
I've kind of come back full circle to the root of throwing, which the root of throwing really is javelin throwing. Um, it's an event that's been around uh, in the Olympics for, you know, it's one of the original Olympic events. Um, and obviously uh, the challenges of it, throwing a spear is so hard to do that if you can learn the fundamentals of throwing through throwing a spear, we find that you can learn how to throw a football and a baseball more efficiently, more effectively. And, and, um, and yeah, so I, I've kind of gone back and forth. I still coach high school football uh, up here in the Gainesville area. I live in, in uh, the Gainesville area. Um, so I, I, you know, and I will never leave that obviously, but um, you know, I, I really, I gain a lot, I think, from both of those worlds. I learn a lot from the track and field world, take that to football and vice versa. Um, they both have a lot to offer uh, our, our training world, so to speak. Now, again, I just love listening to the stories. And, and for me, you know, a, a track guy and a track guy who was born and raised in Oregon, you know, uh, Tom Tonoff, you know, that's a name that, uh, you know, w- we know that one very good. Really cool stuff. I'm excited to take a little deeper dive. Uh, for our listeners, we're visiting today with Ryan Hockman. He's the head of coaching and programming for Throwing Zone Athletics, and that's out of Florida. We're going to take a quick break, but we'll be back with some more. This is the Educational AD Podcast. We want to thank Huddle for their support of the podcast. Remember at Huddle, we power sports. Over 200,000 teams use Huddle to elevate the performance of their athletes using video and analytics. Huddle's the complete performance platform. They've got online tools. They have smart cameras like the Huddle Focus. They've always had analytics, but there's so much more. Huddle's also built for every level of play, from club and youth teams all the way through high schools and colleges, and even the pros use Huddle so their athletes can perform at the highest level. You're in pretty good company with over 6 million users, including your student-athletes and the coaches of the teams you're trying to get to recruit them. If you want to find out more about what Huddle can do for you and your program and how your school can become a Huddle school, go to Huddle.com and talk to their professionals. Remember, at Huddle, we power sports. Welcome back, everyone, to the Educational AD Podcast. Our guest today is Ryan Hockman, the Director of Coaching and Programming for Throwing Zone Athletics. Uh, I met Ryan uh, about a month ago at a, a track meet here in Florida. He was coaching. I was officiating. He actually stepped uh, on the other side of the ropes and helped us out a little bit in the javelin. Um, Ryan, uh, share with our listeners a little bit. Maybe uh, you mentioned Tom Petronoff uh, and the turbo jab. Um Talk a little bit uh, about, you know, the development of that as a tool. I remember when it first came out, uh, again, as a longtime, you know, 40-year coach, um, and my initial thought in seeing it in a catalog that very first time was, geez, this, I don't know if I'm going to waste my money on this. Um, Obviously, it is a tremendous tool for coaching javelin. So maybe talk a little bit about the development of that and maybe why athletic directors should encourage their coaches to take a look at. Well, it, the, the story of how it developed was really cool. I mean, Tom uh, invented it while he was, he was living in South Africa. So Tom was, is American, uh, went, went over to South Africa for a variety of reasons, but um, that'd be a, an entire podcast in itself. But 
um, he had, so his, his daughters were born and he wanted a tool to help teach them at, you know, very early ages. So he, so he invented the turbojet. Um, and, and again, going into all that would be a, an entire podcast, but the, 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 what drew me to it, um, was that it was like javelin light for, for a quarterback thrower or, or a baseball pitcher. You don't need a, an eight foot or almost a nine foot spear to learn how to throw through the point. So when you throw a, a linear object, like a, a javelin, whether it's a two footer, three footer or eight, nine footer, uh, you have to throw through the point, which is not what baseball and, and football throwers have to do. You can come around the center of gravity uh, where, you know, where when we're throwing through the point, your hand has to go right where the tip was, just, just fractions of seconds beforehand. And as football throwers and baseball throwers, we don't have to do that because the object isn't as long. Well, what we don't benefit from as, as football and baseball throwers is the extension toward a target. We don't stay on target line. One of the best ways to learn it is, or to understand it is, uh, like a golfer coming around the target line as far as staying on the target line longer, you increase your distance, you increase your accuracy, all those kinds of things. Um, and that's what was, that's why I was drawn to it. Um, I think from a, from a javelin perspective, you can use it indoors, you know, you can use it. It's a, it's a budget friendly item. One of the things that javelin throwers that only have one or two javelins they have to go chase their javelin every time they throw it. And we got a bucket of javelins and we throw them and throw them. So we, one of the ways we know to get better is to get a lot of repetitions. And um, that's, that's one of the things that, that the, the turbo jab or anything, a ball or a rebound ball or throwing against a wall with med balls, it allows you to get more reps uh, in a quicker amount of time. And, and, you know, you don't have to spend three hours on the field getting your, your practice in. Yeah. Um, again, as I begin to, uh, you know, do my diligence as a coach, oh, let me check this out. And, you know, you would see them sometimes at meets to other schools. Again, just a tremendous tool. And a lot of, um, um, you know, if you throw the turbo javelin, the techniques uh, transfer very well, you know, to the, the real javelin. Uh, I'm going to guess some of our athletic directors that are listening, um, your state might not even offer javelin at the high school level. It wasn't too long ago, um, maybe I'll say maybe 20 years ago, there were only about four or five states in the whole country uh, that had javelin. And now I think we might've broken the halfway point. Uh, what's, uh, what's your take on that? How many states are yeah, offering I, javelin? It, it, it's, it's changing. Um, the last I knew, I think it was 22 or 23, we might be creeping up to 25. Like you said, we're, we're getting close to the halfway point. Um, Florida, obviously, and that's why we're in Florida. We came to Florida uh, from the West Coast. We were, I was in Seattle. Tom was in California when they, uh, when they put it in. And we came here to educate the state, uh, you know, do clinics, those kinds of things on, on the javelin event. So that, yeah. uh, that sound you might hear in the background is me patting myself on the back. Uh, about four years ago when I was still an athletic director and I was on the FHSAA's uh, AD advisory committee, um, I was the one that was uh, the only person in that room of about 14 people saying, yes, we need to add the javelin. And it, it, that first year got my one vote. Now, the next year, um, I don't know if the makeup was different, but they were a little bit more willing to listen. And uh, I, I told them, 
you know, it, it's, it's a great event. Um, and it's not like the discus. The discus is so dangerous, we have to put a cage around it when people throw it, okay? You don't have that in the javelin. Uh, a discus, if it hits you, it's going to kill you. Okay, a javelin, if it's a bare point, it might go through you, okay, but it's not going to kill you. And they kind of laughed around the table. But uh, um, the first two years we had it in Florida, they called it an exhibition event. So right, it gave right. coaches time to learn it. Um, and, you know, you can still at meets, I'm sure this drives you crazy. You know, you see a kid that's got absolutely no coaching. <laughs> and they're out there but it's it's getting much better right, and then last right. year um it was uh the very first time it was offered at a at our in our state series you know the district regional and the state meet i was actually one of the officials at the state meet which is pretty cool and then again this year it was year two so uh we've seen the javelin grow um here in florida and i'm gonna bet turbo jav had something to do with that yeah i mean obviously because of tom's stature i guess in in the in the sport itself uh two-time olympian world record or two-time world record holder he's still the only guy that holds the record or held the record with the or the original uh specs and the new specs um but yeah and, and there were a lot of instrumental people jim griffin down in uh, down in fort lauderdale who's now at pinecrest had a lot to do with it from what i'm told um there were some other you know some other folks like yourself who who came from other states that that knew that you can do it safely. Um, and, and, you know, when you see a, an implement like the turbo jab and, and obviously in Florida with where we're using the rubber tip right now, um, there are ways to make it safe. Uh, and, and then you ramp it up. If you want to go into the steel tip and those kinds of things, you, you get to where the, the, the throwers in the state, you know, are, they, they know how to do it. The coaches know how to teach it. They know how to keep it safe. We know how to carry them into the stadium. We know how to, you know, put them away and 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 not stick them in the ground where where people can run into them, like I've I've seen and heard. And, um, but yeah, uh, I, I think, you know, with the turbo jab being, uh, you know, it's it's Special Olympics, it's uh, Paralympics, and it's AAU Junior Olympics, USATF right. Junior Olympics. Uh, it's it's all over the world. Uh, people are using it, and in fact, one of the most interesting things that has happened with, with javelin in general. So Finland is the javelin mecca of the world. Well, Finland hasn't been as good lately at it. Uh, the Germans have kind of overtaken them. Um, what happened in Finland about eight years ago was they put in another kid's javelin, different type, um, and it wasn't as fun. So the colors of the turbo jab make it fun for kids. I mean, one of the things when you, when you, develop a program for kids is you have to think about space and how it's laid out and you have to think about colors and what draws their attention because if you don't draw an eight-year-old's attention it's going to and especially out on a field where there's lots of space and lots of things for them to look at they're going to look at those other things they're not going to look at the javelin so color plays a big part of it well finland struggled and they're the director of their javelin program who's friends with tom said we're going back to the turbo jab because We've seen a drop off in the number of kids that want to do it. And if you make something the entry point of anything, if it's too high of a barrier, kids won't want to do it. Um, you know, and, and that's why turbo jab is important or, or, or anything. Ball throwing is important because it, it lets kids be active physically. And then if you get a little closer, get them a little closer to the, the event that you use, the, the implement that you use, then, and we have, we have turbo discs. 
we have Turbo Hammer and we have Turbo Shop, just FYI. We're not just a javelin company, but um, so there's, there's a lot of, the, the starting point is so critical. We know this with kids. I mean, you don't have a kid uh, hitting 90 mile an hour fastballs. You put them on a T-ball, right? Um, you know, you, 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 you have to scale it down to the kids and we know this. And if we can do this and put a, a my boys, my own sons had a turbo jab in their hands at the age of two. So it, it just became something that they do. Even when they've left it to pursue other events or other sports, they've come back to it because they know how to do it. And they've had fun. They've had fun experiences with it in their life. So, yeah, I think the turbo jab has had a lot to do with the success of, of javelin and, and lots of states and, and hopefully it will continue to. So. Yeah. I, I love that point about the colors. Uh, it, it makes perfect sense. Once again, for our listeners, our guest today is Ryan Hockman. Ryan's the director of coaching and programming for throwing zone athletics. That's right here in Florida. We're going to be back with some more, but let's take another break and hear from one of our sponsors. This is the educational AD podcast. We also want to say thanks to final forms for their support. Final Forms is the industry leader in registration, but Final Forms is more than just forms. Final Forms is a team, it's technology, and they provide schools with compliance, communication, and risk management solutions. Final Forms can help your stakeholders with mobile accessibility. They've got reminders for parents about policies, about physicals, and all the forms that go with athletics. Final Forms can also help with team communication and attendance, and even certification management for coaches. And for athletic directors, Final Forms can help with eligibility, with rosters, and all the reports that come across your desk. And it does this with secure language translation. You know, it's time for you to talk to a team that's walked in your shoes. To take the next steps and find out what Final Forms can do for you, go to finalforms.com forward slash Jake. That's finalforms.com forward slash Jake to get started on the final forms team. Welcome back everyone to the Educational AD Podcast. Ryan, we always ask our guests uh, about the mentors that they've had in their life. You know, coaching is, is so much about leadership and mentorship and none of us get here on our own. So who are some of the people that have helped you along the way? Uh, who are some of the mentors that you've had? Well, yeah, I've had, I've, I've been lucky, you know, fortunate to be surrounded from, from birth by great coaches. Um, you know, obviously starting with my dad, who was high school football coach in Ohio. Like I said, he's in the Ohio high school coaches hall of fame. Um, and, you know, and, and, you know, in that area, he's kind of legendary, won over well over 200 games and really just kind of got out of coaching recently, 79 this year. Um, but you know, what I, what I got, you know, dad, he was an innovator. Um, he got to when he was, and I, and he, he's a very great, he's a great communicator. So storyteller, um, get around him. You're going to be around, you're going to be talking for a long time. Just FYI, uh, if you meet Ken, uh, but he, the, the, the power of positive thinking was such a big movement back in the sixties and seventies. And, and he's a part of that movement. Um, Dennis Waitley was a series of, of positive thinking tapes that he had. And we had those in our house and, dad really shaped my thinking and was had a big impact on the way I thought about things. And he always asked me lots of questions. We were, and I was around him all the time. You know, he was a coach and teacher. So, and I was an athlete, so I was around him fortunate. Um, and so big influence. Um, 
you know, and, and obviously we, we take everything from our parents as gospel and then we get other experiences and we, we kind of find our own way. And, and I kind of didn't leave that until, you know, <clears throat> until I got into college coaching where, you know, Gary Blackney, who was at Bowling Green State University, had a big influence on me. Uh, Gary had a long, successful college coaching, football coaching career. Um, uh, Tommy Bowden was a big influence of mine. I played for Tommy at the University of Kentucky. It's Bobby's son. Um, and, and just because of his name and his experiences, and he has so much credibility. And then he was, also, he was just a really kind individual. Uh, and, and I tried to ride his coattails, never worked for him, only in some camps and things like that. But, but he mentored me throughout that. I would call him for advice on coaching and networking. And he was the guy that told me as a, as a high, as a, as a, as a skill, I was a quarterback. You know, he said, you need to go work with the offensive line. You need to go work with the defense as a young coach and round yourself out, not just to be, if you want to be a head coach or whatever it is, but you need to learn all of the different perspectives. Um, my brother was a big influence because he was a college coach and ahead of me and he paved a lot of roads for me. Um, and then, you know, obviously Tom Petronoff meeting Tom, switching basically from being a football coach to a track and field coach um, gave me the confidence to do it. Um, you know, and you don't realize what you know sometimes until you see other people who don't know and they're doing it. You know, I, I was reluctant to coach Javelin for a while, even though I was kind of coaching it. I was using it for my quarterbacks. I was coaching quarterbacks in a way we were teaching them in the off season on how to train. And uh, I, I had, you know, learn so many of the fundamentals of throwing from Tom. Um, you know, he was encouraging me, hey, go, go coach javelin throwers. Um, and I was doing that I was in the state of Washington. The state of Washington has javelin. So I was coaching some kids and and realized, okay, I, I do know more than most of these guys. I'd go to meets and like, wait, that guy doesn't, that's not right. That's not, you know, so um, it gave me the confidence and, and having a guy like Tom, you know, encouraging you. Um, who's a world record holder, uh, gives you a lot of confidence. Um, so I, I think those guys, and obviously I mentioned a lot of people, there's been a lot of influences, but, um, you know, I would say my dad and Tom and my brother are probably the biggest influences professionally on, on the things that I've done, and the ways that I've gone. Yeah, our regular listeners hear me say this all the time, but it's just true. I love listening to the stories and the mentorships, uh, relationships that you have. It's always cool to hear about, uh, you know, family and, and of course, moms and dads, you know, that have that uh, influence. And now, uh, again, you get to work with, you know, one of your mentors with Tom Petronov, you know, very cool stuff. Once again, for our listeners, our guest today is Ryan Hockman. He's the director of coaching and programming for uh, Throwing Zone Athletics. Uh, we're going to take another break, hear from one of our sponsors, but please stay with us. This is the Educational AD Podcast. We want to say thanks to Gipper for their support of the podcast. Gipper is the way athletic directors, coaches, and schools are creating world-class marketing content for their social media channels. You can do it in seconds on any device and without needing any design experience. It's so easy. Even I can do it. Go to Gipper.com, talk to their team, and start creating world-class marketing content. That's Gipper.com.
Welcome back, everyone, to the Educational AD Podcast. Again, our guest today is Ryan Hockman. He's the Director of Coaching and Programming for Throwing Zone Athletics here in uh, Florida. Ryan, one of the things we like to do with this podcast is the idea of sharing best practices. So uh, I'm going to put you on the spot. What are some things that you've seen in your uh, athletic coaching leadership career that you can say, wow, that's a great idea. Uh, do you have any best practices you can share for our listeners? Yeah, I mean, I, I think outside of the, you know, when I think back on the, on the people that I've been around or studied, one of, one of the two, right? We, you know, as coaches, uh, and I'm sure as administrators, we want our coaches to be out studying people and learning and seeking that and taking initiative. And because of the way I grew up, I was that was just part of the deal. But um, so I've studied a lot of guys as well as been around a lot of coaches and I've, I've been in a lot of programs um, and, and, and seen good and bad. I mean, we, we've seen bad practices. Um, and aside from the personality things, I mean, I think there are some great people out there who have phenomenal energy or phenomenal uh, personalities, bigger than life. They can overcome a lot of their own organizational or systematic flaws. Um, and they're just so, they're the cult of personality. So aside from putting those people aside, which I think, you know, and I always warn young coaches, I'm like, be careful being around this guy. This guy's a personality and he can get away with some of the things he's doing on the coaching field or in the classroom because of that personality. So, you know, you've got to find what you are and what your strength is. But I think, you know, you know, being out in Seattle and watching, you know, it was during the time when the Seahawks were winning, you know, the Super Bowl championships and what Pete Carroll has done. And I'm, I'm, I've read his book and I've, I've been to, there's a museum in Seattle that has a little, or did, I don't know if it does anymore, had a little Seattle Seahawks exhibit and had like the process that, that, that Pete went through um, laid out in that little exhibit, uh, you know, and his rules are what they're the three rules. It's, it's uh, be early and, and it, it's overarching kind of stuff, right? It's not, it's stuff that you can apply to all diet types of situations. So be early, I think, um, uh, protect the team and always compete are his three big things. Um, and I, 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 when I read his book and when I went through that, I went back and started looking at all the, guy, the guys that I was around. Gary Blackney was a big, simple rules guy. Um, and didn't have, you know, he always used to preach to us, the more rules you have, the more rules you have to enforce. And, and, you know, so make it broad and general enough that, you know, for instance, be early. Well, that, that's kind of the value of, of time and the value of, of putting you yourself uh, at the feet of the people on your team. Like if I'm always right on time, um, it's kind of about me, right? Um, so there's more to it than just being early. Um, protecting the team is is an overarching uh, rule or policy or whatever that that can go in a lot of different directions, right? Um, so I think that is a best practice from the standpoint of organizational systems that can be broad enough to encompass a lot of different areas. And I think that's you know so my wife, what my wife does for a living is team process. She's She's an emergency medicine researcher, but it's the, the ad hoc teams that are formed in emergency settings is what she really studies. 
So when they bring these teams together for a, for a code, it's how do you organize a team in those moments that are real fast, right? And save lives. So we're not doing anything that's gonna kill anybody. My wife studies this for saving lives. So I listen to her in this area probably more than anybody. And leadership emergence is a big part of it. Traditionally, the structures of leadership have been the loudest, the, and a lot of times the alpha male, uh, the most senior member of the group leads. Well, we need to, to kind of let leaders emerge. And if you, if you are always the overbearing leader or only set up structures that your alpha males, so to speak, if you're in a male environment, will do the leading, then you're not going to find the person who appeals to other types of personalities. Because when you do the personality profiles of all the athletes on your team or in your organization, it's all over the place. So if only one personality is doing the leading, you're going to shut off a lot of those other personalities. They're, they're going to turn, tune them out. They're not, going to, they're not going to like that organization. They're not going to thrive in that organization. Um, so I think leadership emergence is really what I've learned from my wife <laughs> um, and the studies that she, and these are real studies, you know, she gets... NIH funding, that kind of stuff. Um, and it's fascinating. DOD, she has DOD funding as well. And gets a lot of the military, you know, so that, that, that um, I think is an area that um, we've got to think about who and how we allow people to lead and when, when that receiver needs to be the leader or that, uh, that, that backup needs to be the leader or the uh, assistant administrator needs to be the leader. Um, you know, and, and, and if we're always putting the, the, the dominant personalities out there in front, we're, we're probably not going to lead the organization the way we can. We're not using all the resources in that organization, for one. Um, but I, I do think, you know, even in that setting, you've, you've got to figure out ways to keep it as simple as possible. Um, you know, so, so having, having simple guidelines to do that. Um, and, and frameworks um, to do that, I think, uh, have to be simple enough to allow room for people to emerge. Uh, and then once they emerge, then you can, you know, start to coach them and, and teach them and mentor them. Um, you know, but if, if we don't give them that room and that space to show their, their skills or their qualities, then then we'll never know. They'll just be the person in the background. I mean, if you look at, you know, just the simple uh, uh, extrovert, introvert type stuff. I mean, right now we're starting to see quarterbacks that are being drafted that are introverts. Uh, the guy for the Chargers, I forget what's his name. Uh, Herbert. Herbert. Herbert is an introvert and he's thriving. But they went and studied how to, how to coach an introvert. The, 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 the group out there, the general managers out there. The, uh, so, so I think we're learning so much our organizations are learning so much about how to think differently in that area. You know, it's not just the alpha male that's going to emerge uh, in every situation. Uh, we don't want that. That that's going to happen if you if you're if it's always the you know the survival of the fittest mentality, then then we're going to miss out on a lot of really high quality leadership. So, um, yeah. No, I, again, I love the whole leadership angle. Um, 
and you know, Pete Carroll's book was outstanding. Um, and I think a lot of people just don't realize, you know, leadership, it's not about leading out front. It's about letting or helping the others become leaders. Right. So you really don't have to. And then it's, it's team buy-in and it's ownership. And, and those are the programs, those are the teams, you know, that, that really have that high flying success. Uh, right. There's cool. a lot of ways you can do that. I mean, from the simple task of, you know, why, why does a coach always have to lead the warm-up? Right. I mean, the, why does why does the whistle always have to start? Uh, or you know, I mean, we're we're doing um, drills during those times that are mundane, and and we want them to get to automaticity. So why can't we just allow the kids to to learn the the sequence and do it? Now I see a lot of places that do it, and they that's awesome. It takes a lot off your plate, right? And you can you know, I mean, Einstein said if you don't have to, if you can write it down, you don't have to memorize it. Well. I can free up a lot of brain space if I don't have to be thinking about other things um, as a coach. And I can become a resource now. Now I can teach the mechanics or the details. I don't have to think about the sequence of the drills that we're doing because the players are doing it or the athletes are doing it. Um, you know, let them call out the drill and then do it. And then they start teaching each other. You know, and I think that's that's how you said. So so even from a from a, a simple, okay, I want you know, this guy to lead the drill, my line leader, call out the drill. And, and now I can be freed up to, I mean, I've, I'm the expert in biomechanics, not them. It's not hard. You don't, you know, anybody can learn the sequence of the drills. Um, and, and even in your organization, okay, find the people that can do the rote memorization type of work and let them do that and let your creative thinkers or your deep thinkers or the people who have the content knowledge do the content knowledge work. I mean, I, one of the things I think that we've really, really tried to do in our organization through throwing zone athletics is find out what we do well. I'm a great organizer. I'm a very organized, structured mind. I was an English teacher, which is usually the, you know, the kind of liberal thing. I was a, I taught English <laughs> like a, like a daggone math guy because I wanted structure how to, how to structure a paragraph, all that kind of stuff. And so we've, we've tried to get, okay, I'm a good organizer. Tom knows more about javelin throwing than anybody on earth probably. He can do a deep dive on everything. And you do that. Let me do the organization, you know, so that, so that we don't get too, you know, we don't get little Johnny who's nine years old, you know, drinking from a fire hose because he's, he's learned from Tom Petrano. Right. So I think structurally, you've got to know who your people are and, and put them in positions to, to do the, what they do well. Yeah. No, absolutely. Okay. Uh, Ryan, uh, we're going to do this at the end of the podcast, but if one of our listeners wants to reach out, pick your brain a little bit or find out more about Throwing Zone, what's the best way they can get in touch with you guys? Well, the, the best way is you know, our website is turbojab.com. Uh, you're not going to find me on there because I'm the guy in the backgrounds, uh, but you'll find Tom Patron off there. Tom is the most open and giving individual of his knowledge and his time. His energy is incredible. Like I told you the story, original story of how I got in touch with him is he, I texted him say, hey, I want to buy this. He now I'm part of his organization. So um, yeah, go, go through the website, turbojab.com. Um, and his cell phone's actually on there. Okay. No, absolutely. Turbojab.com. Um, 
For our listeners, our guest today is Ryan Hockman. He's the director of coaching and programming for Throwing Zone Athletics. Uh, they do uh, a lot of sports, just not track. Uh, we're going to take another quick break, but please stay with us. This is the Educational AD Podcast. We also want to thank Sideline Interactive for their support. We had a Sideline Interactive indoor scoring table in our gym, and it is just fantastic. They not only raise funds for your school, they also create the ultimate game day experience for your student athletes. Go to sidelineinteractive.com or call 832-786-0302 to schedule a live web demo and see their tables and boards in action. You can also email them at sales at sidelineinteractive.com and see exactly what these fantastic products can do for you. That's sales at sidelineinteractive.com. Welcome back, everyone. Uh, our interview today is Ryan Hockman from Throwing Zone Athletics here in Florida. Ryan, one of the questions we've been asking has to do with this idea of toughness. A um, hundred years ago, when I was in high school, uh, our coaches would say things like, you know, come on, guys, you got to suck it up. Or come on, Jake, you got to be tougher. And and we basically, we did it. Um, I think in the many years since then, we found better ways to communicate those ideas to our kids. So I still feel that toughness is an important part of the athletic experience. It's an important part of life. So here's my question for you. How can we help kids to develop toughness while also being sensitive to the social emotional challenges that um, I never had to experience, you know, back in my day? Uh, do you have any advice for us? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, you know, as an athlete participating um, as a quarterback uh, in in football, probably the most visible position in sports in the United States in a lot of ways. Um, I think I'm probably as qualified to answer that question as, as anybody because you get really lonely as a starter, as a back, you know, usually only one guy plays, right? So you're always questioning who you are. Uh, you're always questioning whether you're going to give up and quit and move on and transfer. I mean, right now we have a kids transferring for various reasons. Um, and you know, I, I, I think the support system that we have is, has got to be where we, we look. Um, parents need to be their, their support and their love for, for the kids. And I, I, think that's, I think that's critically important. Um, and I think we have to be careful of what we show that we value. Um, if we're always talking about um, the result then that is what we value. Um, you know, we talk about culture, right? Culture is what you teach and what you actually tolerate. Well, what we actually focus on is what we value. I mean, that's what we talk about is what we value, what we go towards, what we value. So if we go always toward the winning or the guy or the, the woman who, who toughs it out, so to speak, then that's what we value. Um, whereas if we value... Um, overcoming the odds or overcoming challenges, uh, then that's what we value. So I, I think we've got to first look there. Um, now, I, I think of toughness as almost a better word. I, I don't use toughness very often. It's more, to me, it's about persistence and stick to or whatever you want to call it. I mean, I still believe in the old phrase of the harder you work, the harder it is to surrender. The more you put into it, the, 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 the more you're going to persist when it 
times get tough and you know when it's the sixth throw of a, of a competition or the third throw of a competition and you're in third place and you're trying to move up one spot or you're in last place and you're trying to you know do you just do you just let it happen do you go through the motions um you know and i think a lot of it goes back toward did i invest you know and, and we are really a product of our habits I mean, that's the, what that Socrates or Plato, I can't remember one of those guys, we are just accum an accumulation of our habits. And if our habit is to, to, you know, get the repetitions in, do it right, do it right, and do it right, and do it right, then I think the toughness will, will come through in the fact that, you know, we're just, we're a product of, product of our training. Um, and, um, you know, as coaches, I think, we tend to, you know, I, I think where I, where I, not we, I tend to get, na I used to, I'm better at this, get nasty when guys didn't meet my expectations in the, in the persistence area. Um, and that's where I've kind of, uh, you know, it goes, you know, one of my college coaches used to say, hey, hey, this isn't for everybody. This is really challenging. And we still love the person, even though they don't meet our expectations. And, and I've gotten to where I still love people for who they are, even if they're not meeting my expectations. And, and, but we still don't let that standard drop. And, you know, so it's a, it's a fine line. I, I don't have it. I know this is kind of a roundabout answer, so to speak. Um, but, but I still go back to with my own kids who are, who are athletes. It's, you know, if you invest in, in, in the repetitions, then the toughness will find its way because you, you just, you, you've, you've built a, you've built a system physically around yourself. Now, literally you want to talk about the myelin that you're building in the, in the, in the, inside the body, you are literally wrapping yourself in armor um, through myelin, what's called myelin. I'm not going to get into that, but, um, and the more reps you take with quality, uh, and, and we're a repeatable you know, javelin is a closed chain event, meaning there aren't you're not reacting necessarily. There's a little reaction in there, so we can we can repeat and repeat and repeat and repeat. And if you look at our website, you go to Tom's. Tom knows exactly how many med ball throws he had in his career. He knows the exact number. It's well over two point eight million. And I probably got it wrong. He's probably going to see this and call me. I'm telling you. So, so my point is, is that that cloak of repetition is what creates toughness, um, persistence, whatever, because you cloak yourself literally in these, these things and you won't, your body won't break down. Your mind won't break down. Now, if it does, you back away, you're, I mean, you know, you, you've got to take time away. And that's, that's critical. I mean, the grinders out there, you got to be careful of, especially in sport like track and field, that it's repetitive. It's purely repetitive. It's not reactive as much as some other sports. Uh, we've got to look for those signs of wariness. I mean, and you see it right now. I mean, you see some of the athletes, the USATF outdoor championships were the other day. And there are some, some athletes going through some really, I, I saw an exchange and I know this is, Katie Najat, who's one of the top pole vaulters in the world, uh, a, a retired, um, what do you call it, uh, writer, beat writer, made some sort of comment, like people go through tough times, and he kind of dismissed her tweet about the fact that she was really proud of herself for making third. She was the favorite going into this year, and she finished third. She made the world championship team, 
And he minimized that in his tweet back to her. And you should have seen the reaction from Twitter. It was like, dude, who do you think you are talking to an Olympian who's revealing herself in a most vulnerable way? So we're, we're, we're seeing a change. There's a sea change in that. Simone Biles changed it in, for better. Um, and Katie Najat is changing it for the better. You know, so we, we got to applaud these people because we know that we go through ups and downs and peaks and valleys, especially in some of these sports that are individual, that are really hard. You don't, I mean, Katie Najat and Simone Biles can't pass the ball to, to uh, 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 who, who's the guy for the, for the uh, team that just won the NBA championship. Clay, Clay Thompson, sorry. You know, when, when, when Steph Curry is not on, he can't, he can dish it to those guys. Simone Biles can't, right? You know, so I think in our sport, in, in, in individual sports, we've got to realize that those people that we want to lean on, we don't have them. So coaches and, and parents are the people that are going to be leaned on. So yeah, I really appreciate you sharing that. Some really, really good stuff in there. Uh, for our listeners, one more time, we're visiting today with Ryan Hockman. He's the Director of Coaching and Programming at Throwing Zone Athletics. We're going to take another break, but we'll be back with some more. This is the Educational AD Podcast. We also want to thank our good friends at Wall of Fame by Vital Signs. You know, they're on a mission to bring your school's legacy to life. They've got a variety of interactive touchscreen consoles along with an entire library of templates to help recognize the athletic achievements of your students, both past and present. Let them help you showcase your school's diverse history and your proudest moments and go to vitalsignswalloffame.com. You can also call them at 614-981-3589 or email them at sales at vitalsignswalloffame.com. That's sales at vitalsignswalloffame.com. Let them help you bring your school's legacy to life. Hey, we're back with today's guest, Ryan Hockman. Ryan, I'm uh, a few years older than you, uh, but I think both of us came out of a, a similar environment where multi-sports were the norm and I dare say even the expectation back in the day. And, uh, you know, we you know both played college sports. You know, uh, it certainly didn't hold us back, but... Um, what are your thoughts on the multi-sport experience? Well, I mean, what we espouse in our program is getting our body to do what we want it to do at a very high level. And the only way to do that is with a large inventory of movement skills. And we train guys on the right side, left side, all this kind of stuff. Now, if if you don't want to do boring training that we do, which is right-handed, left-handed, backward, we throw every direction you can do. We run in all the directions. Well, the other way to do this is to go play basketball and baseball and basketball and stop and jump and cut and throw left, throw right, um, you know, throw a football, throw, a, throw a, another item, um, swing a bat, which is rotational, and, and discus throwers should be swinging a bat and vice versa. Um, there's so many cross-sport skills that we can develop. No matter what we end up as, we're, we're going to produce a better product. We're going to generate a better product. Um, also, going back to the mental health stuff, 
if I'm a good two-sport athlete, that's less pressure to, to be a great quarterback. I mean, look, my sons are getting ready to go to ninth grade. They're still doing multiple sports. And they're still in they, – they, they're not 6'3 yet. I don't know if they're going to be big-time quarterbacks and receivers or, or if their hand's going to be big enough to handle a pro football ball. So jab, if I got a small hand, javelin's better. Um, baseball's better. Uh, if I can spin the ball, baseball, you know, so I think we do a lot of disservice to kids by putting them in a, in a zone early on. Um, that's why we call throwing zone athletics. It's zones, you know, it's, there's a lot to it, but, um, but I think the, the, the pressure comes off of this, uh, you know, you develop better, a better rounded person, um, physically, mentally, you know, you get a different group of friends, um, socioeconomically. I mean, there are, there are different groups of people who play different sports. Um, and if you're going to try to lead people from different backgrounds and you've never been around those people, guess what? You're probably not going to know their issues. Um, so I think there's, there's so many benefits to, to being involved in multiple sports and, and hopefully athletic directors are out there encouraging their, their coaches to, to work together to make it so that kids can play multiple sports because you're going to be better for that. Right. Oh, no. And we've preached that for a long time. I was very fortunate at my school, the coaches I had, uh, they not just uh, talk the talk, they also walk the walk, you know, they actively encouraged their kids to, to do multiple sports. And you're absolutely right. It makes you better in your favorite sport. Uh, Really cool stuff. Ryan, this has been neat spending some time with you, um, but we're not done yet. Uh, we always wrap up with what we call the athletic director's toolbox. Now, you certainly know your way around the world of athletics, but in just a moment, I'm going to ask you to send out a brand new AD, maybe even a brand new coach, uh, but I'm only going to let you put three things in their toolbox. We're going to take a quick break and hear from Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack. They sponsor the Athletic Director Toolbox segment. And when we come back, we're going to find out what Ryan Hockman is going to put in his Athletic Director Toolbox. Please stay with us. We want to say thanks to Athletic Surveys for sponsoring the Athletic Director Toolbox. Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack are a quick, easy, and affordable way for you to collect comprehensive data that allows you to evaluate and improve your entire athletic program. Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack also connects you to the 95% of the parents and the student athletes who really love your program. And it gives them a voice to help demonstrate the importance that a positive athletic experience has for them. Go to athleticsurveys.com and check out their testimonials and then give them a call at one 800 738 6466, or you can email them at info at athleticsurveys.com to get started. If you've never used a survey to take the pulse of your parents or your student athletes, you're really missing out. Talk to the folks at Athletic Surveys by Lifetrack and let them help you take your athletic program from good to great. Welcome back, everyone. This has been a lot of fun visiting with Ryan Hockman, the Director of Coaching and Programming at Throwing Zone Athletics here in Florida. Uh, they work with all sports, not just uh, track throwers. But uh, Ryan, right now I'm going to task you with sending out a brand new athletic director, but I'm only going to let you put three things in their toolbox. What three things are going to go in Ryan Hockman's athletic director toolbox? Well, I mean, I, I guess the, the way I 
kind of approached it when you asked me um, was, okay, if I just got an AD job, and I've never been an AD, so uh, what would I do? What, where, where would I look first? Obviously, you know, we're going to look at mentors, but uh, and, and find mentors for ourselves. But um, I think, what are we ultimately trying to do? We're trying to um, get kids to have a great academic athletic experience so that they can reach their goals continuing on. Uh, so I would find a, a structured program. Um, you know, I've used one called totalstudentathlete.com. Um, I think that's what it is that, you know, basically breaks down the NCAA eligibility process um, and, and the four-year plan. I mean, it's, it's really simple and straightforward. Um, so I would school-wide, program-wide, I'd try to get everybody on that same page. Uh, so that we can educate all of the athletes who desire to be college athletes. And we know that the NCAA and the NAI have a variety of levels and, and, and academic, um, you know, programs for, for athletes who, who want to do all kinds of different things or have different ability levels. So it, it can apply to a large part portion of their athletes. Um, so I, I would definitely start there. Um, and make sure that the kids understood, you know, that, that there's a process by which you become eligible for the NCAA. Um, I think physically, you know, taking and then taking that mentality to the other areas of, of the development of the, of the athlete, of the student athlete. Um, and we talked about the academic part, which is that total student athlete guy. Um, we do something called kinetic tra chain training. Um, and, and, you know, it's essentially learning how to use your entire body in full extension and full flexion. Um, and, and we start off all of our athletes uh, in the kinetic chain training. So, so whether you're a baseball player, football player, basketball player coming to us, you're going to do the exact same thing. Thrower, sprinter, high jumper exact same thing. We train all of our athletes and track and field is a foundational sport, just like gymnastics. All of our javelin throwers do high jumping, long jumping, uh, shot putting, discus throwing, hammer throwing. Um, and, and, you know, to learn how to extend fully vertically and horizontally, huge. We, the younger, if you can get this into your middle school programs, even better. If you got a feeder system, you know, now you, you take all those foundational things. Um, and then we make all of our javelin throwers get into gymnastics. We don't want them to become gymnasts, but the foundational part, swimming is a, is a huge part for us too, uh, because you get into full extension and swimming. Um, so I think the kinetic chain training, whether it's systematic, whether you use our system or somebody else's system, you've got to start at a, at a point. The guys who go in and throw their kids in the weight room and without any training, like a year of training, you, you shouldn't hardly, when you, if, if you get a guy in the weight room who's 14 years old and you put, you start loading him and doing a five by five program at the age of 14, you should check that guy as, a, as an AD um, because you can't load what's not good movement. When you get good movement, then you can start loading it. Um, and that's kinetic chain training, what I'm, what I'm talking about. And I think the last thing would be some sort of psychosocial, um, you know, component, social, emotional component. 
uh, or leadership or so, something that, you know, helps our kids. I mean, I was at Ponte Vedra High School in, in, uh, up near Jacksonville. Matt Tobin, who's now the head football coach at Bowles, he spent an hour a day with the incoming freshmen in the summer. We would have three stations. We would go, um, you know, lift, sprint, and social emotional. He went through his handbook and I never actually saw his handbook. He never shared it with me, um, but he had a handbook and, and he touched on several topics uh, with those kids and, and what, you know, you know, how to handle certain situations and go through those situations. I don't know all the details, but that's really not important. It's that you have some sort of program to help kids, um, you know, understand the, the forces that are, that are working for them and against them um, and the tools that they can develop. Um, you know, I, I had an AD, the best AD I've ever been around, you know, used to remind us as coaches that the kids are not finished products. They're not supposed to come to us with the best throwing motion or the best uh, jump or the best shot or the best, neither are they coming to us with the best coping skills when, when it comes to failure or success. So that's our job. That's why we put the C on the hat, right? So he, but he always right. they're not finished products. They're not finished products. Don't give up on them. Don't give up, you know? And, and so I think we, we need to have some of those structures in place, you know, academic, uh, athletic, foundational athletics. Right. Uh, and then the same goes for psychosocial type of stuff. Well, all, all great tools. And again, from a track guy, you know, you're speaking my language, you know, those, you know, experiential, you know, multi-muscle uh, different movements. And I love your point about the kids that are coming to us. They're not finished products. I remember I had a football assistant once, great coach, great person. But he would say, boy, I got to tell these kids the same thing every week. And I go, oh, that's why I got you. You're the coach. If they didn't need that, I wouldn't need you as a coach. So, you know, appreciate you sharing that point. Ryan, one more time. If one of our listeners wants to find out more about Throwing Zone or even get in touch with you, what's the best way they can do it? Well, turbojab.com, like I said. And then I also forgot to mention fastestarms.com um, is our other website. Uh, that kind of is more of our um, turbojab.com is very specific to, tur to javelin uh, or turbo javelin. You can buy products, that kind of thing there. Um, Fastest Arms is more of our program side of things um, and our general training. Uh, so you can, and you can find me on there, get in contact with me through that website. All right. I, I've been to the turbo job. I have not been to fastestarms.com. I'm yeah. going to go check that out. Yeah. Ryan, thanks so much for spending time with us. Some great stuff for our listeners. Um, I appreciate you sharing time and all the best moving forward. Thanks, Jake. And really appreciate you having me on and, and uh, wish everybody out there listening uh, a, a lot of success. And hopefully you found one little nugget that, that we can provide through our experience. Oh, I'm sure they did. Remember, fastestarms.com, turbojab.com. Check them out. Um, for our listeners, we appreciate you uh, tuning in today. Remember, the Zoom recordings of all of our interviews get uploaded to the Educational AD Podcast YouTube channel. Uh, come back again just about every day for new content on the Educational AD Podcast. Have a great day. And before we go, we want to say thanks to Hometown Ticketing, the leading digital ticketing provider to schools and colleges. You can find out more about what Hometown Ticketing can do for you and your school 
by going to hometownticketing.com and talk to their experts. Hometown Ticketing, simple and easy online ticketing. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time on the Educational AD Podcast. Thank you.